When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. We are finally back after a few weeks away. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today as ever is Mr Simon Bukowski. Si, how's it going? Yeah, very well, thanks Sam. Not quite as chipper as you, but we try. Yeah, well, you know, the cold weather is back, the, the winter <laughs> is cracked and I need to, need to keep the energy up because God knows I am not feeling it inside. And also join us. Dressed for the weather in his uh, nice little turtleneck is Mr. Stu Brennan. Stu, how's it going? Absolutely fine. My my James <laughs> Bond tribute, that's what it is. Definitely. Definitely. It's no time to die. And it was no time to die for City on Sunday because they played Liverpool and twice they rescued themselves from the death. That was an amazing segue. You shouldn't give yourself credit by how doing it. I do not care. Uh, lads, you were both there, I believe. Um, yeah? I hope you know. Oh, right. Well, one of us there. We'll go to Stu, who was there first then. Stu, you were there. What a game, what a game, 2-2, two, two. Um, well, should, should I change my mind actually, what a second half, because the first half I was going to sleep a little bit, I can't lie, but my days, did the game come alive in the second 45? How could you be going to sleep in that first half? I mean, City were I... absolutely magnificent in the first half. They were in that, you know? that, that magnificent where they are quite not very fun to watch, where they are very good objectively, but subjectively it doesn't make for a fun game because they are just controlling it, not scoring. Bernardo Silva did his best to kind of liven things up, that run he did in the first half was absolutely amazing. But the second half, I thought, is when the game really kind of brought to life. Because Liverpool, they started the game pretty slowly. I thought City did well to kind of restrict them and restrict their game. But when the second half, when Salah really got going, Liverpool came alive. And then it was the, the two titans of the Premier League really going at it, I thought. Yeah, I'd agree with that about the second half. But in the first half, I, I get where you're coming from about if you're a neutral, City are boring when they, when they start dominating games against... Burnley and Norwich and and these kind of teams because it's just it's just attack versus defence, but when you're doing it against Liverpool, you know the quality that was on show in what they were doing is just you know any football fan should be should be enjoying that. So uh, it's not a slap fan anymore. Slap on the wrist. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean we know your allegiances, so yeah, football is very much very much an inverted commas, I'm afraid. But mm-hmm. uh, I nice there. <laughs> listen, listen, calls are the heartbreaking loss in the FA Cup last night. I am absolutely devastated. Football, not not in the good books currently. But, as you're saying, we'll go continue. What a game it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought City were excellent. I mean, throughout, I mean, it's true that Liverpool came back really strongly in the second half and it looked like City were going to get punished for the usual problem, which is creating chances, not sticking them away when they came along. But City showed that little side to the character that we've seen in the last last 12 months or so. You know, there, there was some doubt last season when they went behind. Did they have the, the bottle and the character to come back again? Well, they did it twice at Anfield. And I think, overall, um, they probably should have won the game. I mean, but for some dodgy refereeing, I suspect they might well have done. Yes, I, it was, I say, there was, there was so many talk points in this game. You know, Rodri's block, Milner's red card, the goals, Salah's kind of amazing performance we'll get up to all of them in due time but like what was your kind of take from the game yeah um as you kind of alluded to um I saw a, a comment that 
someone who's not a City fan um, but sees a lot of football and said, you know, they, they just about managed to convince themselves that City, yeah, they might be winning everything, but they're not a good team to watch. And then and then they watch a game. And uh, it, it, it was really a joy to uh, to see two of the best teams living up to like the Super Sunday Super Sunday billing. They both had times when they were on top. They both scored when they were on top. I know City um, didn't make the most of the first half chances, but it's one of those games of football where I imagine it was just a great privilege to to be at for for everyone. And uh, yeah, I think City can feel hard done to for not getting the win because they had kind of more of the play and more of the better chances. Liverpool can obviously feel they maybe should have won it just because they took the lead twice. I think it's it's a better result for City than it is for Liverpool, um, both because it's away from home and because they came from behind twice to get the point. You know, I think there was, you know, a, an equaliser in the last 10 minutes is is a great thing, whatever the circumstances. But in a game as high profile as that, you certainly go away with uh, with a buzz. So I'm good for good for the fans to enjoy it as well after uh, not being able to see it last year. Absolutely, absolutely. There were some big performances in the game, Stuart. I thought, you know, Foden looks like he's getting back to his best after obviously sitting out the first few weeks of the season. Gabriel Jesus is continuing to prove that maybe he's an amazing winger instead of the striker we all thought he'd go into. But I thought Bernardo Silva was absolutely, as he was a few years ago in the game against Liverpool, which I think is the one Sane and Aguero scored in maybe, when he absolutely, he ran about 13 kilometres and absolutely dominated the game. This was like that Bernardo Silva. He had a bit of an off year maybe last year and there was talk about him potentially going in the summer. But now, looking at his performances against Liverpool and this season in general, it seems absolutely crazy that there was any, ever a thought of letting him go. I don't think it was a case of letting him go. I don't think anyone wanted him to go. But the lad has obviously said he's, he's not entirely happy. You know, he wanted want to go back to Portugal and Spain or Spain. Uh, that, that wasn't on the cards because nobody can afford him. I I mean, nothing, nothing much has been said, but I just wonder how much... Uh, the racism charge that he faced from the FA has, has hit him because he, that seemed to coincide with his with, with his big dip in form. I, I, th- I think he probably took that really badly. He certainly stopped speaking to journalists. He'd been very friendly and open before that. He, and he, he suddenly stopped speaking to us. And you got the impression he was quite hurt by that because, you know, I don't think anybody believes that Bernardo Silva is a racist. Uh, he, he just He just did something that was unwise in this day and age and he got he got punished for it and you get the feeling he's not he, he didn't quite move on from that but this season he's back to his best and I think City fans are delighted that he, he didn't move on because we, that is that Bernardo Silva that won City the title when Kevin De Bruyne was out injured you know I don't think anybody anybody disputes that he was City's best player that season he, he really stepped up to the mark and, and we've seen that again I mean I'll be, I'll be honest I gave Foden uh, man of the match simply because of his, his impact on the game you know he scored the first equaliser. He created the second one. And I think moments like, as well as the fact he utterly destroyed James Milner throughout the game. Milner should have been, should have had two red cards, let's be honest. You know, he should have, he should have got a red card for the first foul, uh, either that or a penalty. Uh, and, and then obviously the, the two bookings. But So so for me, Foden was the one who influenced the game uh, more than Bernardo. But Bernardo was just exceptional. Again, he was just, just his work rate is phenomenal. And when you ally that to the kind of quality he has, you know, it, it puts him on that world-class level. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, absolutely. Sai, what kind of performances stood out for you against Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, Bernardo is um, is back to his best. But like Stu was saying, I can see why, you know, Foden got top marks because he, he just makes such an impact on on every game he plays in. Um, he, he's not really been fit for 
for many games at all. I think Chelsea was his first start in the Premier League, um, but he's already kind of near the top of the charts um, for goals and assists already. Because you know he'll be he'll be really disappointed he didn't score that one that Bernardo um, put through from in the first half. But you know he picked himself up and then influenced the game again. So yeah, Foden. There's going to come a time when Foden overtakes De Bruyne as kind of the best player in the City squad. I, you know, not not to write De Bruyne off because he's still got plenty left in him. But the the way Foden is going, he's just going getting better and better and better and uh, I think he's going to have a, a major, major role to play in City's push for, for trophies this season. Yeah, o- other than that, it was another great team performance, I thought, you know, which it had to be with to, to press Liverpool so successfully. You know, uh, Salah's goal and his assist as well were, were pretty incredible, but it had to be incredible because, you know, you watch City would work in so well, it took something special to to really break that press and, and get through. And uh, and that's what you get when you've got world-class players in your team. Yeah, definitely. We can't really wax Liverpool too much on Liverpool as we are a City podcast, but, you know, Salah is probably on form probably the best player in the world right now. I mean, many have said it and it's not far from the truth that his goal and the assist were both of like Messi-esque quality, especially the goal. It's one of the best goals I've ever seen. And to leave not only you know, all of City's midfield were so well-versed in pressing on the floor, but then, you know, to it goes past Ruben Diaz, who's been the best defender in the Premier League for the last year. It takes some going. So yeah, great goal there. A couple of players who I don't think played too well. Uh, maybe it's harsh on him, but like Grealish, where does he stand, Stu? Because, you know, Foden's come back in, taking his position on the left. And I know they played the different, they, they were, Foden was in the middle against Chelsea and it can swap depending on the opposition. But is it, does it say something that F- Pep trusted Foden more to go at the weak link at Milner than Grealish? And, you know, Grealish in the middle didn't really shine there. There's obviously there's still continued debate over needing a striker. It's not that like he played badly against Liverpool, but he didn't really have that impact that he would, you know, for Villa, he would because he was the main man. He'd so often have a, a, a impact on games, even if Villa didn't play well. He, they would always look for him. Is he kind of does he take time to adapt to be not the main man? Like, where's he stand? Where do you think he's doing? I think basically what happened was once Trent Alexander Arnold was out, uh, and and Pep knew that Milner was probably going to play that right back role. It was the obvious thing to do. You kind of think Foden's that little bit sparkier than Grealish. You know, he's more direct and he, he runs you ragged. Grealish is a bit more about fronting you up and then trying to win the free kick or cut inside. And I, I think that it was obvious once once he knew Milner, 35-year-old, was there, well, put Foden up against him and Foden will, will absolutely run him ragged. And that, that proved to be the case. And you, the problem at the moment with not having a striker is that somebody has to play that central role. And you get the feeling that it's it's almost... That well, somebody's got to do it. So you're kind of sacrificing yourself for the team. I mean, Foden played it at Chelsea. He didn't have his he didn't have his best game, but he did a job for the team. He occupied that that spot. You know, he, he moved and he he ran around and he occupied the central defenders, giving space to the, the guys who were out wide. Um, and at Liverpool, it was Grealish who was asked to do that role. Now I think Foden's problem is he's so willing. And he's so keen and he's got such a strong team ethic that he ran himself into the ground doing that job at Chelsea. And he did a better job of it than Grealish did at Liverpool. Grealish just looked a little bit sluggish in that role. You know, he looked like he didn't, either he didn't want to be there or he didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he didn't know what, what positions he should be taking up. You know, we, we saw a few times where players were looking for him, looking for the positions that a centre forward would be in. Uh, and he wasn't there. And I, I think that's a bit of a problem going forward because... Now, you know, we move on to the next game. 
who who plays where and Guardiola looking at looking at the way those two performed you kind of think Foden, Foden can't be dropped not after that performance for me he's got to play so so Grealish can he be dropped 100 million pound player can you can you drop him so you know oh, I know it's rotating you know there's so many games that you can call it rotating but when the big games come around who do you play and where do you play them and it is a real dilemma because somebody's got to play that central role, and whoever plays there is taken away from their game. And that, that I think that was that was the essence of why Grealish wasn't great. You know, he's looked he's looked all right out on the left. He's he's looked really good in some games. He's looked okay in others. Um, he's, he's never really dropped below that, I wouldn't say. But then Foden comes in, and Foden plays on the left, and he's absolutely sensational. So what do you do? I mean, you play him again. So then, what do you do with Grealish? People talked about him being a number eight, but the number eight at the minute is effectively Bernardo Silva, who is City's best player over the last three games. So it, it's a nice dilemma to have, but it's, it's still a dilemma. Gabriel Jesus is doing really well on the right. You know, he, he deserves his place as well. The only problem is that central role, sacrificing one of your key players who you know probably isn't going to play as well because they're in that central role. What do you reckon, Sire? Do you think the Grealish dilemma should be solved? Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a tough one. I mean, I have to say, as someone who I didn't necessarily think City needed Grealish fundamentally because I think I thought and still think that Foden is a better player than him and will be a better player than him. Um, but that is no sort of slight on Grealish. I have to say, I've been really impressed since he came. Um, and I think some of the criticism that he's had is maybe sort of straying into sort of overly basic, crude analysis of, you know, oh, he's not scored or assisted, so he's not done well. I think Stu made the point really well. I don't think he's had like a a 9 out of 10 game yet, but I don't think he's dropped below a 7 out of 10. It's kind of been 7 eights all the way. And, And that consistency is hard, and you can see him every game he's learning. And on that left wing, when um, Pep Guardiola gets hold of him, he's telling him so many things during the game and Grealish is sort of trying to to take it all in. And you can see that he is. And, you know, he's already changing his game. He's shooting less and trying to get in better positions for the team than, you know, at Aston Villa when it was basically just, you know, he had, he had much more of a, a prominent role and more responsibility for, for creating and, and scoring their goals. So he's been, he's done very well in being selfless and adapting to this team mentality. I agree that now Foden's fit, it's more difficult for him to get in the team. I don't think he's great as a false nine yet, but I think he's shown enough that Guardiola will at least consider him for selection every week, whereas I don't think that can be said for for every member of the squad. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think it's quite important to point out that if you look at some of the attackers that City have brought in in recent years, Bernardo Silva being like a good example. The first season, and Mares as well, the first season is usually not, they don't usually set the world on fire in the first season. They're usually a sub uh, a lot of the time, not a regular starter as they kind of adapt to Guardiola's demands and you know how the information overload they're getting with. It takes a lot of time for players to adapt to City. And the fact that Grealish is playing so much already, um, A, shows that Guardiola really does rate him because he's playing a lot more than likes of Mahrez and Bernardo did when they first joined. But um, he said, hopefully he'll get there quicker, but it's, it's going to take time to kind of look. He's learning on the job, whereas the others could maybe had a bit more time and a bit less pressure to get 
you know, get um, acclimatized to things, especially you know, especially with the price tag. Really, she said that makes it a lot even more the pressure even more kind of intense. But I'm, you know, there are positive signs. His goal against Leipzig a few weeks ago was amazing, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he'll get there. It's just kind of kind of figuring out who goes where because you know, as you as you alluded to there, side, you know, Mares and Sterling, Ferran Torres, three talented attackers can't get a look in at the moment. So um, there's plenty of you know, there's plenty of worse positions to be in for Grealish. Before we move on from the Liverpool game, Stu, Rodri's block in the dying minutes, he covered about five yards in a millisecond to block Fabinho. The, the, the reaction from those in Anfield must have been one of absolute bewilderment when he managed to block that. Yeah, I mean, I was directly in line and it, it was a goal, you know. You, you saw it fall to Fabinho and you just thought, well, that's it. It's Liverpool have won the game, and it was just almost—it was almost telescopic. Um, his, his leg just extended out. It's quite ironic, really, because City fans are a little bit divided on Rodri. You know, a lot of them think he slows slows up. He's too slow. He, he slows the play down too much. You know, he needs to be more. We need a more athletic, agile defensive midfielder like Fernandinho was in his pomp. But you know, then all of a sudden he, he's, he's a massive hero because he. His reflexes and his agility and his athleticism come to the fore, and he keeps the ball out. I mean, I like Rodri, and I, I've always thought that he would, he would, um, he, he would do. I mean, he would do well in this team. People talk about him slowing the play down, but that's what City do. You know that that's what that role is. That role isn't about getting it forward, and you know a bit bit like Liverpool do that. That's what Liverpool's heavy metal football is all about. That City are more studied. They're more about just getting on the ball, keeping the ball rotating the ball, keeping it circulating. You know, Ilkay Gundogan's good at that. Rodri's good at it. Uh, Yaya Toure was an absolute master at that. People talk about Yaya's goals and his, his storming runs. But what Yaya did for City primarily in those years was just get on the ball, give it, take it back, give it again, just keep it moving. And then that's how you pull teams apart, you know. And Rodri is good at that. I mean, I... He has started adding a little bit more to his game as well in terms of, I, I was saying in his first season, he needed to be passing long more, you know, from that role for City, you need to be able to hit the wingers, you need to be able to play through the lines, something he wasn't doing, Not he certainly didn't do it as much as Fernandinho did, and he didn't do it as much as Yaya Toure did, uh, but I think he started adding that to his game as well. Defensively at times, he gets left, left a little bit because his pace isn't great, but you know, I think he's learning to deal with that in terms of his positioning and so on. And then he comes up with that block, and uh, you know, all's right with the world. It's <laughs> it's one instant in a game, but I think it'll do him good going forward. It'll do him good in the in the standing. He's standing in, in the eyes of the city fans, and uh, it it will improve his confidence as well. Absolutely. Well, that was the two-two draw with the pool. It kind of brought a really tough week to a close side. Um, you know, they defeated Chelsea the weekend before, then lost to PSG 2-0 in the week. Uh, Lionel Messi kind of going back to haunt them. Um, how do you reckon City are standing after that week? It's a very tough week and, uh, you know, they've come through it largely unscathed. You know, the Champions League loss was a blow, but you'd imagine two games against Brugge coming up that they should. It shouldn't have too much bearing, especially with Leipzig not being that good either. shouldn't have too much bearing on the Champions League campaign. Yeah, speak to anyone at City or any City fan and they will say the one game that they would have been happiest to lose out of those three was PSG. Um, especially how the first set of Champions League games went and the fact, like you say, they've got Bruges coming up. Um, I think they entered the Chelsea game seen as not the team to beat in the Premier League and they finished this week seen as the team to beat in the Premier League. It's been a hugely 
successful week for them. Um, they they played Chelsea off the park. They were absolutely phenomenal. And this is a team who, you know, everyone said Tuchel's got Guardiola's number and they've beaten them three times in a row, even though City tossed it away in two out of the three games and that was all forgotten. But City showed that when it mattered, um, they, they turn up and they beat you. And they weren't able to beat Liverpool because Mo Salah is is world-class and Jurgen Klopp is a world-class manager and they weren't able to beat, well, they lost the PSG because PSG have a have a very good team as well. But, you know, the the early sort of frailties from losing to Tottenham and then not scoring against Southampton and this striker thing, should they get a striker, is going to continue to go round and round. But I think last this last week has kind of shown that unless you've got Mo Salah or Lionel Messi in your team, good luck getting past this City team, which is hugely encouraging for them for the season ahead. Absolutely. Uh, Stu, I thought the Chelsea game was massive, I should say. Um, it kind of brought City... Chelsea could have gone six points clear, I believe, if they had won, um, if Chelsea had beaten them. And as I said, they had the number, the Champions League final must have been playing on their minds, but it just seemed like City worked for revenge, really. They did not let... I don't know if... Too, I think Tuchel said he didn't want to be so defensive, but um, that wasn't his game plan. But City made them so, just pushed them back so much. Um, it should have been, you know, it was looking like it might again be another one of those games when they couldn't take the chances. But then again, Gabriel Jesus, who's been really good this season, kind of came up with the winner. It was says it's interesting how Guardiola seems to have finally kind of got one over him, and hopefully that'll kind of um, stand City well going forward in the season. Again, you want to talk about how big this week's been and what it means for Guardiola. Yeah, it's like Sai said. I mean, PSG was a game that didn't really matter in in the great scheme of things. Obviously, you want to play well. Uh, you're on a world stage, and you're up against those those three PSG forward players. So it's always going to be important. But Liverpool and Chelsea were the two games uh, that City wanted uh, wanted results from more than any other, and they've come away from it with four points. They've now got those two, two, probably the two toughest away games of the season out of the way. Throw in Leicester away, which is never easy. Tottenham away, which is difficult for City every every year. Uh, they've, they've got a lot of a lot of difficult games out of the way, and they're still up there. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with Sai that they they were they're absolutely outstanding at, at Chelsea. And it, you mentioned Gabriel Jesus. Now Jesus has been a has been the surprise package of the season, really. Um, in the summer, we, we were talking about, you know, he might he, he might be sold to help finance a Harry Kane deal. There was even talk that he might be thrown in as a make weight in a Harry Kane deal. Uh, you know, people give it, gave him little chance of, of figuring once he did stay. You know, he thought he'd be the, the fringe player that he was last season. Against Norwich, he comes up with, with three assists. He's, he's superb. And you kind of think, well, it's only Norwich. You know, he's got to do it against the, big, the bigger team. Uh, and he has done. You know, he, he scores a winner at Stamford Bridge. Created the first equaliser at Anfield. His work rate is just astonishing. And his team ethic, you know, this is why Pep loves him so much. Because he, he sacrifices himself for the team all the time. Uh, there's no, there's no, you know, you expect a Brazil number nine to be a little bit about me. You know, the, the great, the great number nines in the past have been a little bit that way. You know, not, that's no bad thing in a, in a number nine. But Jesus isn't like that. You know, he's, I know he's playing in a wide role rather than the, the central striker now, but he, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have that ego that, that sort of consumes him. He, he, he plays for the team. He's, he's willing to work back all the time. And he, we got a reminder again. In, in the last in the last few few days, that he's got a lot of quality in there as well. You know, he sometimes goes to pieces a little bit in in front of goal. My only problem with Jesus is that it's a little bit patchy with him. You'll see him 
he'll have a great game like he did against Norwich, then the next one maybe not so good. You don't tend to get that. You don't tend to get that with with Foden and um, and Bernardo and and players like this. I think Jesus can have a run of bad games, whereas the others might just have one bad game every now and then. Uh, and that that's perhaps something he, he needs to he needs to work on. I don't know how you do that. I think it's probably a confidence thing with him. You get the feeling that he if he doesn't if he doesn't play well, he he tends to dip, um, and then it then it it, it becomes a, a a knock-on effect, you know, and it keeps on going with him. But I, I think he's he's been superb. And City, as I said, City come out of this week still with Champions League qualification intact. I'd still back them to top the group, given what happened in the first round of games. And with PSG still to come to Manchester, um, and they've they've picked up four points from the two teams who, for me, are the biggest rivals for the title this season. And that they'll be, I'm betting that they, they can't wait to get going again after the international break and then tear into some of the, you know, they've got United obviously on the on the near horizon, but they've got a few few winnable games before that. So pick up a few points, go into the derby, and if they win that, set fair for, for another great season. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to go into like the coming uh, the coming week. So, you know, we're into the second international break now, seven games into the season. And of them seven games, City have played four of last season's top six. So they're, And they're still uh, third on 14 points, level with United and Everton, whereas Chelsea are top somehow still with 16 and Liverpool are second with 15. They've come through this. They've had a really kind of rough start to the season. You know, the, the, as we said, Chelsea and Liverpool was intersected with having to play PSG. And they've had injuries. And we saw the Wickham game when so many kids had to play. It's like it's not been like last year. It's not been a good season, a good start, um, our ideal preparations for the start of the season side but the, to come through in such a t- uh, in such a strong position and then after the international break the fixtures they've got before they play United uh, Everton and PSG again in November we've got Burnley Brugge twice home and away Brighton West Ham in the cup Crystal Palace fancy you fancy City to kind of really start firing on all cylinders now don't you like they've come through the start of the season in really good shape it feels a long, long time ago, doesn't it, since Manchester United were tweeting out the league table after the first weekend <laughs> games. Um, you know, them beating Leeds and Liverpool and Chelsea winning and City losing at Tottenham. Um, and, yeah, how how quickly things turn. It, it's, been, it's been really, really impressive to see how City have uh, picked up results in what has been a very difficult set of games. I think it's gone better than than Guardiola expected. And they have won three out of the last four leagues because they've beaten the teams that they they should beat. Um, So you would like to think that um, with a more easier run of games on paper, they, they should pick up more points. The only tricky spell i would suggest is um they've got a week where they go to they go away to bruges and then they play away at brighton and then they play away at west ham i think those are three in three and eight days or three and nine days and just like with this last week gone three aways in a row especially a european trip is um is pretty grueling and tiring on the players um and brighton obviously a, a very good team guardiola rates graham potter very highly um so that that will be a tricky tricky spell, but um, but if they can, you know, be ahead of United when they head to Old Trafford for the derby, that will be a a very good position for them to be in. Uh, you made an interesting tweet about comparing kind of City's fixtures with United and the fact that they're still on level points. Uh, was it United? I think United have only played one 
of the last season's top six, which was West Ham. Uh, yeah, and yeah, West Ham not a good team, but um, not one of your traditional big six. Yeah, I mean that was just a bit of fun to uh, to point out that yeah, United was seen as title challengers, and if then if they don't challenge for the title, then. I don't see why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should be in a job next season. So, you know, the the pressure is on is on them. But all the talk after the transfer window was how United had secured this coup by getting Cristiano Ronaldo and scored two goals on his debut and all the all that goodwill and United sort of being seen as this, you know, positive the positivity around Old Trafford has has somewhat disappeared in in recent weeks because they've not really played well since since the opening day. But that tweet more upset Chelsea fans, to be honest, who pointed out they'd had a, a very difficult run as well. And why was no one talking about them, even though I didn't mention them? But never mind. <laughs> I didn't realise you had such a Chelsea following ready to come at you with the pitchforks as soon as you dare snub their name. <laughs> um, but Stu, before we wrap up, I should say. How would you say rate the season so far? And you know, do you see City kind of going on a tear after the international break? Well, I had to do a piece this week about that. You know, how do you rate the start of City's season? Um, and we had to give a mark out of ten uh, in terms of you know how how the season's been so far. And the way I put it was ahead of the Chelsea game, it was probably a six out of ten. You know, they did not look great against Southampton, at Tottenham, lost to Leicester in the Community Shield. Um, you know, it was it was just above average or, or on average after the Chelsea game it bumps up to seven then after the performance at PSG if not the result and then the performance and getting a point at Anfield it goes up to an eight so in the, the space of those eight days for me they've added two marks to their uh, to their rating for the season so far and that's got to be a good thing you know uh, at this stage last season they were way behind the the pace you know the people were talking about Tottenham winning the league weren't they at this at this point last season um city were were down in mid table somewhere and, and very few people some people were saying now oh, they've gone you know this is uh, this is the, the end for them Guardiola's going to leave it's all falling apart um and we all know what happened after that and city are more than capable of putting that kind of run together again, you know, as long as you don't get injuries and so on. Because uh, I think the squad is a little bit, still a little bit, it's odd to sound but to say, but still a little bit thin. They've had, they've got two injuries basically at the moment and they're putting young lads on the bench because they've, they've not got the biggest squad contrary to, to popular belief. They've got a good quality squad, the players they've got, but it's not the biggest squad. Um, so that that is a factor. If, if they can keep most players fit, if they can keep the you know enough to keep putting out a quality eleven each each week. Well, the, you know the world's an oyster. They could go on and and better last season in winning the league, winning the Champions League. Take it from there. It's a big season, but the more than we know, they're capable of it. And the, those three games in eight days have proved that they're capable of it. Well, on the optimistic note, we'll end that there. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week uh, with any luck to kind of preview the visit of Burnley to the Etihad Stadium and kind of look at how City's players have done on the international break, if there's any news to be had there. Um, in the meantime, you can go over to uh, Manchester Evening News forward slash Manchester City for all the latest and breaking news and uh, uh, opinion pieces uh, throughout the international break. Keep up to date with all the latest happenings at Manchester City. Once again, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Sarah.